Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. With Thanksgiving right around the corner, we get to hear a Thanksgiving-themed message today from Pastor Roy. Today, you will hear Pastor Roy give a message entitled, Thanksgiving, the Gateway to Praise. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. been a great morning already and uh, now having been here six and a half years I think I have finally learned the secret of uh, how to get my leaves up before it snows you want to know the secret you pray that it doesn't snow till the middle of November because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get them up before that so I'm thankful that the snow held off uh, that we were able to do that If you are here today as a result of being invited uh, to be a friend, you are our special guest today, and we are delighted to have you. Um, I would just say this at the outset, we are a church of broken people. Uh, Oftentimes we look at people and they're nicely dressed and they look good and everything's cool, but the truth of the matter is we're all broken. And that's why we come together as broken people, because we need the grace of God that Billy sang about. It is grace that is greater than all of our sin. And that really causes us to have a spirit of thanksgiving uh, in our lives. Today, if you'll open your Bibles to Psalm 103, uh, we want to just read a few verses. It's a great psalm. Uh, We won't have time to work through the whole thing. Um, But we're going to work through the first, hopefully, five verses or so. Psalm 103. It's a great psalm. I've entitled the message, Thanksgiving, the Gateway to Praise. David, the psalmist, writes these words, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, And crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The first five verses really is David's personal praise of God and what God had done in his life. We won't take the time, but if you look in verses 6 through 18, you'll see the idea of national praise that the nation of Israel was praised to praise the Lord. And in verses 19 through 22, we see universal praise. All of creation, God's angels, everything under his dominion is to praise the Lord. Thanksgiving Day was near. The first grade teacher gave her class a fun assignment. They were to draw a picture of something for which they were thankful Most of the class might be considered to be poor families. But still, many would celebrate the holiday with turkey and other traditional goodies of the season. These, the teacher thought, would be the subject of most of her students' art, and they were. But Douglas made a different kind of picture. Douglas was a different kind of boy. He was the teacher's true child of misery, frail, and unhappy. 
As other children played at recess, Douglas was likely to close, stand close by her side. One could only guess at the pain Douglas felt behind those sad eyes. Yet his picture was different. When asked to draw a picture of something for which he was thankful, he drew a hand. Nothing else, just an empty hand. His abstract image captured the imagination of the other students. The teacher asked the class, whose hand could it be? One child guessed it was the hand of a farmer, because farmers raise turkeys. Another suggested a police officer, because the police protect and care for people. Still others guessed it was the hand of God, for God feeds us. And so the discussion went on, until the teacher almost forgot the young artist himself. When the children had gone on to other assignments, she paused at Douglas's desk bent down and asked him, whose hand was it? The little boy looked away and murmured, it's yours, teacher. She recalled the time she had taken his hand and walked with him here or there as she had the other students. How often had she said, take my hand, Douglas, we'll go outside. Or let me show you how to hold your pencil. Or, let's do this together. Douglas was most thankful for his teacher's hand. Today, this psalm encourages us to think about God's hand in our life. The greater our understanding of God, the greater our celebration. This celebration is realized in our praise of God. Here, the psalmist cannot shut up or be silent about the goodness of God in his life. And so we see in the opening verse, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. The first thing that he does is we see our adoration in praising God. He says, All my inmost being. See, praise requires preparation. Our approach to God, our lives are full of activity, work, laundry, dishes, uh, errands to run, groceries to buy, meals to cook, house to clean, errands to run, here, there, everywhere, taking care of kids, school activities, sports, programs, doctor appointments, and once in a while we throw in a little sleep, right? Busy schedules and overcrowded lives leave us little time for our minds to meditate and focus on God. One Bible scholar said, Our hearts, ever inclined to deadness and coldness, must be stirred to properly take up praise. Here the psalmist is saying, I am stirring up my soul to praise the Lord. I am recognizing the worthiness of God to be praised. I am stirring up my heart and my inmost being to praise the Lord with His whole inmost being. And he says, notice the word all means totality, entirety of my being, all that is within me, my inner thoughts, my inner attitudes. It is a person that is caught up with the greatness and goodness of God. 
that the praise of God just flows out of his heart. You see, the reservoir of his heart was so full that God's praise spills out onto his lips. Just as a person stokes a campfire to keep the fire burning, so the psalmist is stirring up his heart and stoking his heart to praise the Lord. What is going on within us will be determined what will be coming out of us. That's why David the psalmist prayed in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit, where? Within me. Because all my inmost being will praise the Lord when I have a clean heart and a clean conscience before God. I can praise Him for who He is. The adoration of who this God is, that He has cleaned up my life from the inside out. We see the opposite expressed in Psalm 5, 9. It says, not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongue, they speak deceit. You see, it is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So our praise of God, his heart was full of this God that he served and worshiped. If our hearts are filled with thanksgiving, then our tongues will burst forth with praise. Notice he goes on to say who we are to praise. We are to praise the Lord. Now, one of the Hebrew words is Yahweh. Or some people would say Yahweh, or here's another word. Maybe you haven't heard these words before, Jehovah. These are other names for God that are in the Old Testament. The Old Testament originally written in Hebrew. And the reason they said Yahweh or Jehovah is because sometimes when they wrote down in Hebrew, in writing, they wouldn't write down the vowels. They would only write down the consonants. And so Yahweh was actually Y-H-W-H. They left off the vowels. And sometimes the W has a V sound. And since they didn't have recorders back then, some say Yahweh was actually pronounced Jehovah, depending on who you talk to. Uh, and there could be different arguments about it. But the point is, the ancient Jews considered the name of God so holy, they didn't even want to pronounce it. God's name reflects his character. Whenever you hear a name, it immediately conjures up an image in your mind, does it not? When you think about Jehovah. Uh, let me back up for just a moment. We are to also, it says, praise his holy name. The holiness of God shows his apartness, his sacredness, his holiness. God is pure. The Bible says God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all, no evil, no mixed motives in His character. Everything that springs from the character of God is sacred and incorruptible. He is perfect. And that's why He's worthy of our worship. Well, let's move on. Our adoration in praising God, but our recollection in praising God. God. Notice what he says in verse 2. Praise the Lord. He repeats it again often. 
in Hebrew, you would do repetition because repetition would emphasize something. And so he repeats, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Our recollection in praising God, our remembering. It reminds me of the story of three older sisters who lived together. One was 96, one was 94, and the young one was 92. The 96-year-old woman draws some bath water and is about to step into the bathtub. But halfway between the tub and the floor, she stops. She's confused and she can't remember whether she was getting in or coming out. So she cries out for help. The younger sister who is 94 says, I'll come and help you. She's coming up the steps. But halfway up the steps, she gets confused. She can't remember if she was going up the steps or coming down the steps. So she cries out for help. The 92-year-old, the youngest of the three sisters, is at the kitchen table. She laughs and says, I'm glad I don't have a memory problem like my two older sisters, knock on wood. She hollers up to the two sisters, I'll be right up to help you both as soon as I find out who's at the front door. <laughs> if you don't get it, I'll have to share with you afterwards. Memory problems, age problems, right? Whether we're in the tub or on the steps or in the kitchen table, we can look back and recollect the goodness of God. He's a good God. He's a great God. He is worthy of our praise and our adoration. It is important to reconstruct the past sometimes. But I understand this too. For some, to reconstruct the past can be a very painful experience. Maybe you've gone through some horrific personal experiences that you would like to forget. But here in relationship to praising God, it is essential to look back. Here the psalmist is saying, don't forget, don't let the blessing fall into oblivion. Don't let them be erased from your memory. Don't. Because you're going to need that when you're facing a difficult time. And far away and silent, I can remember the faithfulness of God in my life and how He did not let me down and how He was there for me when I needed Him. See, Moses tried to remember, remind the Israelites in Deuteronomy 6.12. He said, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, let's think for a moment about that passage. He says, take care, lest you do what? Forget the Lord who did what? He brought you out of the land of Egypt. How long were the Israelites in Egypt? 400 years. That means some people, and slavery, by the way, hard labor, horrible lives. Some were born into slavery, and they died in slavery. That was their life. That was their existence. 
He says, don't forget who brought you out of slavery. Remember what your ancestors faced and how God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He delivered you. And what did God institute so the Israelites would not ever, ever forget that event? Passover. God wanted it to be ingrained so deeply in their hearts and minds they would never forget it. He institutes a feast called Passover to remind them and to teach their children that God was the one who delivered them from Egyptian bondage. How important it is for us to look back and remember what God has done in our lives. Keep it at the forefront of your mind so you don't forget is what the psalmist is saying. It's vital that we do that. And notice he says, take care lest you forget. Because when we cease to care about something, we will forget about it, either intentionally or unintentionally. When we do not care about who God is or what he has done, we will forget about him. These benefits, he says, are what we are not to forget. He goes on to say, forget not all his benefits. Benefits come from the kindness of the giver, that God in his kindness has given us benefits for which we need to be reminded of. I'm reminded of a man named Mr. Anders of Ruston, Louisiana. He spent 45 years bending down and collecting something most of us ignore, pennies. In October of 2015, the 73-year-old Anders, a supervisor for in-school suspended children, took them to his local bank in 15 five-gallon jugs and deposited a grand total of $5,136.14 worth of pennies into his account. The bank's coin machines took five hours to count all the pennies. I can just see smoke rolling out of that thing, you know. But what's truly moving about this story isn't Anders' thriftiness, it's his thankfulness. Each new penny on the ground served as a prompt to give thanks to God. As Anders told reporters, I became convinced that spotting a lost or dropped penny was an additional God-given incentive reminding me to always be thankful. There have been days when I failed to pray and more often than not, a lost or dropped penny would show up to remind me. God brings those reminders in our life to remind us of his worthiness to be praised. The psalmist said this in Psalm 13, verse 6, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Since that is his admonition, why don't we sing? Right? I have a little chorus that we can sing, I think, a cappella. Some of you will remember it from days gone by. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Let's sing it through a couple times, and let's praise God. Let's remember the benefits of how he has blessed our lives. Let's sing it together. Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. 
Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. One more time, oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. He's worthy of our praise. He wants to lead us and be involved in our lives. Well, what are some of the benefits? He says, don't forget his benefits. Notice the first one, who forgives all your sins. He reconciles us. He forgives all our sins. Let me ask a question. Why do I need to be forgiven? Why do I need to be forgiven? It's a good question, but there's a good answer. Because I am a sinner, and you are a sinner. That's why I need to be forgiven. We're sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. We deserve His wrath and His judgment in our lives, but God has chosen to forgive us when we cry out to Him for grace and mercy. He says, I will forgive you. He reconciles us. We need to be forgiven because we have a propensity, an inclination to sin because our inward nature is corrupt. That's why I need to be forgiven. So if it is important that God forgives my sins and I need His forgiveness in my life, what needs to happen for me to receive forgiveness? This is crucial. If I'm saying forgiveness is so important in my life that I will be reconciled to this holy God, how can I receive the forgiveness of God? Here's where so many people get off track because they think, you know, if I just turn over a new leaf, if I just become a good person, if I just start going to church, if I just start reading my Bible, if I just start, there's where your premise is wrong because you say, if I just... And it's what God has done for us in the person of Christ for us. And so here's what we need to do to receive forgiveness. Number one is we need to have a sense of conviction. And what I mean by that is we need to have biblical conviction. When I do wrong, I recognize I do wrong. Why? Because God tells me in his word what is right and wrong. I don't develop my own standard for right and wrong. It comes from God's word. 
And so I look into God's word and I say, what is wrong with me? (laughs) I don't have to look very far. It tells me what's wrong with me. I was born in sin. I was born separated from God. That's what's wrong with me. And so God is willing to forgive us. We have a sense of conviction. The standard for living in right and wrong comes from the word of God. I want to live a life that pleases God. I become convinced and I have a strong belief that God has said in his word is true. I also have a sense of guilt. I know that I am guilty of breaking God's law. I've been there many, many times. This breaking of God's law helps me realize it's not just a matter of doing right. It helps me realize that I have sinned against God. I have hurt God by my wrongdoing. It's not just right and wrong. It's the fact that I have hurt God by my wrong. God is grieved with my sin. So I have a sense of conviction. The second aspect for me to receive forgiveness is I have a heart of contrition. I am absolutely broken and grieved and sorrowed about my sin because I have violated God's law. I have done what God said not to do. And therefore, that guilt is there and that sorrow is there and the brokenness is there. I regret and feel remorseful that I have broken the law of God. It's not just right and wrong. I have sinned against God. And so I have a heart of contrition. The conviction brings the contrition in my life. The third thing for me to receive forgiveness is a tongue of confession. Confession is saying, God, I admit, I acknowledge that I have violated your law. That I have broken your law. I have done wrong. I acknowledge it. And the reason I do that is because God's word, the Bible says, is like a mirror. I look into it and it reflects back to me what is inside my heart. And I don't like what I see because what I see is contrary to what God has said. And see, this is true of every one of us. It's true of me, of you. doesn't matter who it is. We have all violated God's law. And at some point in your life, if you are a believer in Christ, you have had that sense of conviction. You have had that heart of contrition. And then you have a mouth of confession. You say, God, I acknowledge I'm wrong. That takes humility to say, God, I'm wrong. I humble myself before God. I acknowledge my guilt. I don't try to cover it up. I don't try to put up a false front with God. And then the last thing we do is we repent of our sin. See, I put confession and repentance because confession is acknowledging my wrong. Repentance is turning away from my wrong. It's saying, you know what, God, I know I have hurt you. I have violated you. I'm ashamed of it. And therefore, I am not going to do, engage in that sinful activity anymore. I am turning my back on that. I am walking toward you, and I want to do what is right. When we do that, guess what God does? He forgives me all my sin, 
All my wrongdoing, all my evil thoughts, all my evil behavior has been erased and put under the blood of Christ. All my selfish ways, the burden of my guilt that weighed me down has been lifted off my shoulders and God has removed it. He's taken away my guilt. He's given me a clean slate. He has paid the debt of my sin that I could not pay in 10 lifetimes. That's what he's done for me and for you. He has forgiven us. You see, sin... He says, he's forgiven me all my sins. He's canceled my debt, and my sins are that which is morally objectionable behavior. And again, who decides that? God does. He's laid it out in his word, what is right and wrong. We've all sinned with our minds. We've all sinned with our eyes, and we've all sinned with our mouths. All the lies I've ever told can be forgiven by God. All the ways I have broke God's laws can be wiped clean. Every act of deceit and disobedience can be forgiven. Every time I have stolen something or talked behind someone's back, every time I have polluted my mind with immoral activity or slept with someone outside of marriage, every time I got drunk or high on drugs, God is willing to forgive all of that and put it under the blood. Is there any reason we should not praise him? Any reason at all? He says, here's a benefit. He forgives all our sins. Wow. He wipes the slate clean. What does forgiveness do? It brings peace. Do you know one of the leading problems in our culture today is anxiety? And I will contend the majority of anxiety stems from either my own sin or someone sinning against me. Forgiveness brings peace. And why do I experience peace? Because forgiveness brings reconciliation with God. I am no longer an enemy of God. The Bible says when I've been reconciled to God, I become his friend, and he becomes my friend. I'm reconciled. Wow. I have reason to praise him for that. So here's something to be thankful for. I'm thankful for God's forgiveness of all my sins. One thing you can do this Thanksgiving season is maybe reflect back over your past, not to get down on it, but to remember what God has removed from you and has removed from me. Forgiveness. He forgives me. So many times people say, well, i got to forgive myself. No, God forgives you, and you simply receive his forgiveness. I am thankful for his forgiveness of all my sins. He goes on to say he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He makes me healthy again. He repairs my life. He puts me back together. That's what God does. Isn't that exciting? And then he goes on to say, who redeems your life from the pit. He redeems us. He buys us back. 
He delivers us. He removes us from sin and danger. Why? Because somehow in the economy of God, he looks at me and he sees value. He sees value in me because I'm made in his image. You are made in the image of God. Your value is based on who you are, who God made you to be. You are valuable to God. That he sent his son to die on the cross that I could receive forgiveness for my sin. And notice what it says. He redeems your life from where? The pit. A pit is a place of destruction and corruption. It is a deep hole that was often used for capturing animals or, listen, or holding slaves. Remember, Joseph was thrown into a pit. And what did God do in redeeming us? He reached down into the pit, into the darkness, into those deep sides, slippery, miry, mud, and slime of my sin, and he pulled me out of that pit that I could not possibly climb out of myself. So many people say, well, I'm going to do it myself. You can't. You're in a pit that you can't get out of. It's the grace of God that reaches down the pit and picks you up and brings you out of the pit. The pit is a dungeon of despair. It's a trap. You cannot free yourself. But in our brokenness, God is able to repair us. I'm not going to try to pronounce the word, but there is a Japanese word that means golden repair. It is the art of restoring broken pottery with gold so that the fractures are literally illuminated, a kind of physical expression of its spirit. As a philosophy, this golden repair celebrates imperfection as an integral part of the story not something to be disguised. The artists believe that when something has suffered damage and has a history, listen, it becomes more beautiful. I like that. So that our imperfection and God bringing the golden repair through his forgiveness actually makes us a trophy of his grace. And it's beautiful. We don't have to hide the blemishes. We have them. But the grace of God heals them. Something else to be thankful for? I'm thankful that God takes my brokenness and heals it. Aren't you? He takes our brokenness and heals it. Then he goes on to say, he crowns you with love and compassion. You know what that love and compassion does? It reinforces us. It strengthens us and surrounds us. It is the support of my life. It holds me up. It's the idea of surrounding me with honor and favor because the grace of God is the unmerited favor of God. 
Here's what he says in Psalm 512. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. God's love is a steadfast, loyal, consistent, faithful love. It is not fickle. It is faithful. It is consistent. It is trustworthy, his love for us. It completely encircles us. That's what he's saying. In God's compassion, his mercy and his pity toward our sinful condition, the last thing is he renews us. Notice he goes on to say, he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's restored. An eagle is known for its strength. It sheds feathers and gets new feathers. <laughs> it's restored. He says he satisfies your desires with good things. What it means is he fills my needs. He meets my needs. I have enough. He is a God of abundance. Let me ask you, if you were to draw a picture of what you were thankful for this Thanksgiving, would you draw an open hand like little Douglas? Psalm 103 encourages us in a very personal way to think about God's hand in our life. On this Thanksgiving, let's remind ourselves that God's hand is always there for us. This year, let's remember that God is to be praised. As we close our service this morning, I'm going to close it in a little different way. I'm closing it with a ministry opportunity. We shared last week with you a video. I'm going to share with you another brief video. We are praying about launching a new ministry at Bethesda Church called Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is ministering to people with hurts, hang-ups, or habits. You say, well, that includes about everybody. Yeah, you're right, it does. <laughs> we all have them. It's for all of us. Could be eating disorder, could be anxiety, could be depression, could be anger, could be bitterness, could be gambling problem, pornography, any kind of addiction, any kind of abuse, divorce, maybe you've been through one, or maybe you've been in the home of one. It's for any of those things in our lives that God wants to use. We are going to have an informational meeting today at 1.30. It doesn't mean if you come, you are involved in the ministry, but if you are interested in learning more about the ministry, uh, we need prayer warriors for it. We need people to be involved. We need people that will do child care. Uh, all those things. But we see this as a vehicle that God wants to use in this community to reach people with His grace. So I want you to watch it right now. Let's play it.
I struggled with anxiety and depression. I was a drug addict. I struggled with codependency. I struggled with pornography and rage. I struggled with alcohol. I struggled with codependency and anxiety, and I had filed for a divorce. I struggled with sexual sin. I struggled with pornography, and I almost destroyed my marriage. I was addicted to heroin. has changed. My life has changed. My life has changed. Our lives have changed. And we're having a baby. My life has changed. My life has changed. My life has changed. This will be a ministry that will be available, not just to Bethesda folks, but for everybody in our community. And so we invite you to pray with us about that. Um, maybe you want to be a part of that ministry in some way, shape, or form. We would love for you to be a part of it. There's no shame because we're all broken. And we understand that the grace of God is the only thing that will bring healing. He is the one who died on the cross, shed his blood, that we could experience the forgiveness of sin and be reconciled to a holy God. That's our message. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you're like, you know, I, I really want to have a personal relationship with this God that you talked about this morning. I don't know how to do that. I'll be shaking hands at the back. If you don't catch me today, call me. Call the church office. My phone number's in the back of the bulletin. We'd be glad to meet with you. Maybe you just have questions. We'd be glad to meet with you and help you. Maybe this is the beginning of your journey. We want to walk with you on that journey. It's a relationship with God. You, you don't find healing overnight. You can find forgiveness overnight, but the healing can take time. But God is there. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. So we are thrilled that you are here today and trust that you will come back. If you have questions, we'll be glad to try to answer those for you. So please feel free to stick around. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.